This is a podcast about our lived experience, which unfortunately includes infant death and subsequent mental health struggles. Please take good care of yourself and only listen if this content feels safe for you right now. We'll still be here when you're ready. Hi, I'm Judith. And I'm Alina. We both lost babies to SIDS in winter 2021. In the throes of grief, I reached out to a stranger on the internet and our friendship was born. In the years since, we've been working hard to survive, rebuild, and navigate the continual challenges that have come our way, including divorce, job loss, dating while bereaved, moving multiple times, health scares, pregnancy and parenting a living child, starting new jobs, and so much more. We are tired. Happily Ever After is out of the question for us, but this podcast documents our journeys to happier ever after because we believe life after loss is worth living. So join us as we laugh, cry, cry until we laugh. (laughs) Welcome to As Long As I'm Living podcast. We're so glad you're here. Hi. Hello. Oh my God. (gasps) Oh, is everything okay? (sighs) I need a quick minute. Okay. What's happening? Did you spill? I had dropped a thank you note that I'm writing to my aunt. So I apologize to my aunt. And then when I went to go pick it up, I um, knocked over my can of seltzer all over my computer. (laughs) Oh, dear. And all this equipment. Um, So that's great. Okay, but, but it's okay. I'm ready to go. No worries. Just thank you for that. We're good. It's good. Now it's extra clean because the seltzer is all over the floor. Good. I'm just mopping it up with my foot. Okay. Hi. Hi, everyone. Now, I promised Alina she is at her um, vacation cabin. And I promised her that I would be on my best audio behavior. And I will not talk over her. And I will talk directly into the microphone and make it super easy for her to edit this podcast. Super easy, super easy. I would like to come visit your vacation cabin. I would love for you to come visit. I want to see you here. Um, Um, You know, now that you're married, whatever you are, um, (laughs) it feels like the vacation cabin is also yours, which is good. I've always wanted a best friend with a vacation cabin. (laughs) Too bad it's kind of far away from you, though. You're... Before, I felt like I had to ask you to ask your boyfriend, but now it's yours, (laughs) so I just have to ask you, which feels super good. (laughs) Well, you are welcome to come anytime. I know. My plan is to come in August. I have to book that ticket, but the plan is still to come in August, right? Yeah. 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 I think we're waiting for your period is what I think we're... Don't put this in We there. are. And that's a funny thing to say, but that is true because we have to plan around my IVF cycle, um, yes. which is coming around my period, which has not come yet. But don't worry, I'm not pregnant. That would not be the way I would announce that on this podcast. But Yikes, if you, through. but once you get your period, you'll tell me and then I'll book my flight for August, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, that is not our topic. Which is, although... <laughs> Now the readers I don't even think a it's lot about really it's not really that related to our topic either but um i was just doing some research into our stories to kind of get ready for today's um podcast episode so i'm really excited about it so today we are talking about the long-term financial mm-hmm. costs of loss mm-hmm. and the episode that came out this this week as we're recording it was the short-term costs of loss which i really feel like we ha- should have done a better job promoting that on instagram because it's such a good episode and we just were really busy you this know week, what so. how about this i'll just share it again let's just like share it again and just be like guys this week is really good we're, do- we're recording part two yeah 
Yeah. And Evelyn Schultz. Let's do it. I actually got to do some really good too. Um, um, loss is yeah. expensive. Yes. Loss <laughs> is very gist. expensive. And last week we spoke about the short term effects of loss, meaning um, the know, first the three hospital months. Bills, the first three months. <clears throat> and this week we want to talk about the long term. So, Lena, why don't we start by just saying for you, what are some of the long term effects of loss that you felt financially? The most significant. I think obviously the most significant cost for me is therapy. I pay so much goddamn money yeah. for therapy out of pocket. I have seen three different therapists, a marriage therapist for almost a year, uh, EMDR therapist for over a year and my individual grief therapist for two years now. Um, the EMDR therapist I was able to pay for with insurance. The marriage counselor was not covered by insurance. That was out of pocket. And my personal therapist is, um, out of network. So I get a small amount of it covered, but most of it is out of pocket. So I am paying, I don't even want to add it up tens of thousands of dollars probably, which is well, ridiculous, it's interesting. but worth it. I, but I would have actually said that the largest cost would probably be finding out that your son had a genetic condition that you needed IVF for, because I actually think the cost of one IVF cycle is probably equivalent to a year of therapy. However, your insurance is covering the IVF. Yeah, I am. I almost like am afraid to say this because I know this is like going to be painful for people for whom it's not covered because it's so expensive. But yes, my insurance is covering my IVF cycle, which is almost exclusive. And they're not covering the meds, but they are covering pretty much everything else. Um, the reason being this is considered uh, like, I don't want to say medically necessary IVF because it's always medically necessary, but because we're selecting out a gene that kills um, and so we're trying to prevent the death of a child, I guess the state of Massachusetts, where my insurance, that's where I live. Um, I guess they're, they cover it. So yeah, that is not a long-term cost of my loss, but it could have been. Yeah. And it is actually a lot of people talk about, talked about that in our stories, um, that they wound up having IVF. to do an additional IVF cycle they weren't planning on or, or, you know, other fertility things, or they had to get a hysterectomy or other, other things like that, um, that cause long-term fertility issues. That was, that was a struggle for sure. Um, I would say the law, <clears throat> I too go to therapy, but that I wouldn't say is actually the long-term financial cost of loss, the biggest, the greatest. I mean, it is certainly great and big, but I, I would say that the loss of work has probably been a greater financial challenge for me and my family. After Aiden died, I didn't work for nine months. And then the nine months after that, I worked kind of a part-time job. So I didn't really start getting a full-time salary until this past October. So from March 2021 to October 2022, I really wasn't getting a full-time salary. And I have to say that I had a second daughter because my son died. And my daughter was definitely – I wouldn't have had her then if I – um if Aiden was still alive, but I had to take a second maternity leave and mm -hmm. the maternity leave, because I'd been at the company for less than a year, it wasn't covered at all. So I basically just took unpaid leave for that maternity leave. And that was on top of the nine months I'd taken off of work and the fact that I was only working a part-time job to begin with. So I probably all in all lost two years of income to my family. My husband also <clears throat> lost his job. Listen, we can say it for 25 different angles, but certainly the first time he lost his job, it was flat out because of um, 
because because Aiden died. It, yeah. It was because, yeah, it was flat out because of Aiden died. And that was a huge loss, um, ultimately, in terms of our income. And uh, I would say on top of the fact that we lost that income, we're paying for therapy and we're paying we also paid to move and we would have moved regardless but um i think we definitely made financial choices to live in maybe a safer community or a place with more space because i couldn't handle living in a city um and that were like that made financial that were financially impacted by the loss and I don't have any like medical associated things, but my mental health, I do consider medical. And I went to not only a, a therapist, but I also went to um, extra doctor appointments mm-hmm. for my daughter's pregnancy and for all subsequent pregnancies. I basically forced them to see me three times a week at the end for extra testing because of my own anxiety. And I plan on doing that the next time. And I had to pay for a lot of that myself. So thousands upon thousands upon thousands and thousands of dollars in lost income and then my own mental health and then ultimately my mental health in a different direction. So I want to touch on another long-term cost that I don't have to deal with yet, but you do. And it's childcare. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, the risk of SIDS is increased in daycare. I think it's about four times as likely in the daycare setting versus an individual nanny or um, parent setting. Um, and Judith and I both had the what felt like the unique experience of having our children die within a week of us going back to work after they were born yeah. um, after maternity leave. We actually also spoke to someone else in our stories for whom this was the case. Um and our babies who died were not in daycare. That was not part of their of their story. But I know I feel uncomfortable putting another child in a situation that's a SIDS risk. I mean, daycare itself Absolutely. isn't a SIDS risk, but it is correlated with a higher incidence yeah. of SIDS. And so I know I'm going to spend more money if I can on um on childcare that is not a daycare setting. And I'll also say I'm pretty committed at this point, uh, granted not pregnant, don't have another living child, but I'm pretty committed at this point to taking off the whole first year of their life because I'm so terrified that they're going to die. And I just want to spend every minute with them um, and be the one who's in charge of their care. So that's going to be lost income for sure. Lost money. I definitely, um, we definitely chose to have a nanny at home. We actually do a nanny share because of the SIDS risk associated with daycare and it's expensive and yeah, just add it, add it to the file. Like I, um, I remember someone who I know who has, she's a little older than we are, but she told me once she was like, my divorce costs as much as a mortgage. And Mm. she said, some of my friends own their homes and I have a divorce. (laughs) <laughs> and I think about that a lot because I, without a doubt, this loss has caused, cost as much as, you know, down payment of a home. A lot of my friends, it happens to be a lot of my friends bought a house between like around the, you know, when the interest rates were low around COVID and between yep. when Aiden was born and now they pretty much all moved into houses that they own and we do not own a house and we probably won't for a long time. And without a doubt, a large majority of the reason is because financially, We've been paying for things associated with this loss. And we have probably, like I said, paid like a down payment 
more, more than a down, without a doubt more. We yeah. paid a lot of money in yep. costs when associated you count- when you count the lost income, especially in yeah. your in your case, like I think it's yeah. it's so obviously. Um, now, I also had a divorce at this time, and um, divorce in and of itself is also kind of expensive. I was having to pay for lawyers' fees. I had to buy. We went from having one singular mortgage with a low interest rate to both having to pay for apartments, and we had yeah. to keep our house. We couldn't sell it right away because I didn't want to give up the house that Quinn had lived in. So I was paying. We were each paying for rent on an apartment. And we still paid a mortgage on a house for four months because I grief wise couldn't let go of the house yet. Um, even though I wasn't living there, um, I grief wise had to get out of the house. So I had to pay for the apartment, um, because of the divorce and all of this stuff, but that I, I couldn't let go of the room yet. So we were paying for three different housing locations. We talked about the privilege in the beginning of the first episode. And like, let me just shout out again. I know how privileged I am that I can pay for all this stuff, but it's not like it was nothing. And I would say, Alina, you're so lucky because you don't have a house, but you do have a dead child and a divorce. So I have a dead child and a divorce. But I will say that you're going to get a mortgage. You're looking to buy a house. So we're in different circumstances. But And it doesn't even matter. It doesn't put the housing aside. I think just the point is that these costs are so exorbitant. And I, I wouldn't have thought that two years later, it's continuing to impact my life in the long term. So let's read some of the examples that other people have shared with us in terms of like what the long-term costs. Yeah. We got we're pulling that up. hundreds of responses, by the way. We did. While we're pulling those up, I want to touch on something else that's related to the daycare thing. It's the snoo. Let's talk about a snoo. Did you guys know what a snoo is? First of all, it's like that little special. I mean, everyone who has a living baby knows what a snoo is. And a lot of people who have dead babies probably know what a snoo is, but it's like a $1,500 crib. It soothes and rocks and does all this shit, right? It's cost over a thousand dollars, but there has been, there have been zero recorded SIDS deaths in a snoo and I'm getting a snoo. I don't care how much it costs. We got a snoo because of that. And we paid like $800 because I got it used on Facebook marketplace. And Alina, if I'm done having kids, you can have my snoo. What am I going to do with it? Yay! Lucky me. Aren't but you're you not lucky? done having kids. We're gonna have our no, next I know, kid at the same but time. For the next one, you know, just rent it so you can have mine when I'm done. I, I already bought okay. it. And I don't All want right, it anymore. Fine. Um, okay. Okay. This person said therapy, which by far and it was the longest. That was the most repeated comment. Mm-hmm. And they said extra pe- pregnancy after lost appointments, which I experienced yep. as well. Thousands of dollars worth it. Um, relating to daycare, someone says, um, because of my history with my son dying at daycare, I'm literally willing to spend any amount of money to not use daycare as my form of childcare. So if that means my entire paycheck goes to a full-time nanny, then fine. So again, this is like, even if we recognize that that's not the actual reason, like it's hard to feel like you don't want to change things that you were doing before and do the more expensive option. Um, this person also said, I don't know if this counts, but I don't really care about work and being productive in the same capitalist way. So I'm sure I'm going to eventually miss out on bonuses or salary increases or promotions because I just don't care the way I used to. I agree. I agree by the way. Someone here Mm -hmm. wrote, I had to quit my job because they only allowed eight weeks for me to grieve the loss of my daughter at 24 weeks who died in our arms. So I said, fuck you and quit. Here we are five months later piling up debt. And she said, I feel I can't truly grieve and focus on my daughter because I'm so stretched financially. Um, Someone says, I'm not able to focus on work, so I have worries about job stability. I had a side gig before, but I had to let it go. 
we're considering another baby now, which was not a consideration before, which means more medical costs, extended daycare costs, et cetera. One person said, and this, this I really relate to. One person said, I cut back on work thinking I would have a baby at home only for my baby to die at 39 weeks. I think what she's saying is they made life choices anticipating a baby and now they're stuck with those life choices and there's no baby. I know someone who bought a home, uh, a bigger home for them, for their growing family. Their baby died Me. and now they're stuck. I did that. Oh, there you go. Oh, I wasn't talking about you, but that's true. And then you're stuck paying the mortgage on this house that you don't necessarily need. In a haunted house. In a haunted house. A lot of people here are independent contractors or freelancers, so there's no um, there's no family leave that they can necessarily rely on. And if they aren't able to work, there's no income at all coming in. Yeah, 100%. Um, this person said her son passed away the first week back to work after 12 weeks of maternity leave. So this is a second person, second listener, and fourth. So me and Judith and two listeners had this happen where they, the baby died um, right after going back to daycare. She says, I took about six weeks off unpaid before I was forced to go back. So she had used up her, her state leave, um, her federal leave for maternity leave, and then she had to take unpaid leave. And now she's not eligible for maternity leave for the baby she's having now. So she's having to take it again unpaid. So she's taking a ton of unpaid leave. What? I know. Yes. My husband's in the back like, what? It's fucked, guys. It's fucked. This person said... I drive two and a half hours each way to a future MFM at a high-tech hospital. I think that part of that, if you're driving two and a half hours each way for a doctor appointment, think of all that work you're missing also. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just the cost, who get the cost of gas, let's just call that negligible. But think about the time that's five hours a day. You can't possibly work that day. And you have to go to doctor appointments, you know, at least once a week at the end. So you're significantly decreasing your salary for the specialized attention that you need. Yeah. Oh, we didn't um, even talk about, sorry, we didn't even talk about something else that's a long-term cost, which is that my son is buried in a place that I don't live. Mm -hmm. And if I, my husband and I talk about this all the time, last year we had to make the decision, do we have $1,000 for us to go fly, you know, figure out where to stay, all these details, and spend time with him for his birthday. But that's an additional it's going to, it costs. It ends, if you add it all up, it costs a lot of money. And think about that. Whenever I want to see my son, I have to pay $1,000. Think about that. Well, not Yikes. for me to go alone, it's not $1,000. But the point is that yeah. that's going to go on indefinitely. Yep. Um, someone says, there's also the cost of time. It's not quantifiable, but we lost last summer. We lost time with our friends and our living daughter lost time with her parents because we were both shells of ourselves. It's the financial burden coupled with the loss of yourself. And that has a cost. It's just not quantifiable. All of our time is money. You lose time at work, days off that are spent on appointments and grieving. It's all bundled up together. That person said it Oof. beautifully. It's like overwhelming to look at this. I know. This person said, we're in debt and ate through our emergency funds because of a five-month NICU stay and loss. Yeah. We asked in our stories if you um, went into debt after your baby died, and 32% said yes, 15% said almost. So that's kind of crazy. This is so sad. Um, speaking about returning to work, um, we asked the question, did you lose income after your baby died? And 60% of you said that you chose to leave or reduce your hours because of grief. Um, an additional 3% said they were forced to leave or reduce their hours and 9% had a spouse that lost income, but they did not. So only 30% of people did not lose income after their baby died. 
70% did in some way for their family. I mean, um, Alina, when you think about this, um, I go, I go two directions. On one hand, I feel so frustrated that this is another loss that I had to deal with on top of all the other losses. And then I also feel like, I just feel like a lot of people have different circumstances that lead them to having like to lose out on income. If you, if you struggle with infertility, IVF is, I was thinking about that with the same thing when I was thinking about the mortgage. If you do three rounds of IVF, that could be $75,000, you know, that could be a down payment on a home. And, um, so if you have that, or if you, I just feel like sometimes life can be really hard and I don't know how sorry to feel for myself about the financial impact of a loss. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I get what you're saying. Cause like, you're right. Like everybody has expenses. Everybody has unexpected shit come up. Like we all probably in our lives will have an unlucky thing that will cost us a significant amount of money. I think what I keep coming back to with this is it breaks my heart that people have to think about money when they should only have to be thinking and grieving their baby. Like it really breaks my heart that this is an additional pressure and stress. And that like one of the questions that we asked was, um, did you have to stop therapy because of cost? I did. And most people said yes, or they yeah. went less frequently. And I think about like well, the impact that that ha- the impact that therapy has had on my grief and the fact that I've been able to continue to go regularly to a therapist who was really wonderful, even though she's um, not covered by my insurance is such a privilege. And that so many of these wonderful grievers are not able to get that support. It breaks my heart. Yeah. And even support groups, like a lot of support groups are not free. Empty arms, shout yeah. out to empty arms is free, always free. But things like RT, RTZ Hope, which are the ones you find when you first Google, they are not free. They cost hundreds of dollars to get that community yeah. support that's so important. We asked you, what are the estimated costs of your loss over the long term? Um, 20% said less than $5,000. 34% said five to $10,000. 28% said ten to $25,000. And 18% said more than $25,000. I... I- what did I do wrong? Why were my expenses so high? <laughs> I think that I, I do wonder when we put this question, like, I wonder if people are not thinking about the opportunity cost lost, like uh-huh. if missed work, like if these but are again, just, people also are just thinking about bills. I also know that the number of types of loss, if you have a miscarriage, you're probably not thinking about daycare costs. Right. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, that's true. I, I feel like that's something, and actually we're kind of at a, a little nexus because I think people who lose adult children don't necessarily have to think about that either. I'm sure they think mm-hmm. about other things, but there's something about losing a baby that either you're dealing with IVF like, and you have to financially deal with that or childcare or whatever it is that if you lose a 19 year old, you're probably not thinking about IVF and you're probably at that point, you probably probably had all your, all of your kids. Um, yeah. So it's complicated. It's complicated. Um, Yeah. I mean, those big buckets, right? It's therapy. It's lost work. It's additional healthcare costs. It's increased monitoring. It's, it's costs relating to a pregnancy, another pregnancy, maybe if you want to have another baby that you weren't planning on. Um, It's moving a lot of, a lot of comments from people saying they had to move because they couldn't bear to live in the house that had the nursery and um, yeah. 
It's a lot. It's a lot. lot. Somebody, I forget if we mentioned this in the first episode last week, but one of the things that somebody said that really resonated was having to buy, um, I think we did talk about this, but buying all new clothes for their subsequent children because they couldn't bear to put put a subsequent living child in the clothes that were intended for their child who died, which like, I don't know how I'll feel about that when the time comes, but like, I get it. (laughs) I really do. I also think that you and I are only two years out and I'd be curious to have this conversation five years out. Like how long-term all these long-term costs? Is this something where I'm going to be behind financially for the rest of my life because of this? I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Or is this something that like, yes, for the five years after a loss, there's this huge, you know, increase in costs. But after five years, relatively, you catch up with wherever your peers are. Yeah. Because by that point, maybe everybody's had something fucked up happen. It's possible or you've, you know, you've healed in a way where you don't need my husband. There was a, there was a period of time where my husband and I were spending $2,000 a month in therapy and that is not sustainable at all. No, but we're not in that place anymore. Probably because my husband won't go to therapy, not because we don't (laughs) need it, but, um, but, but, uh, I will say that that is not forever. And so I can imagine a situation where in five years from now, like the financial costs have dwindled because we probably don't have kids that need childcare anymore. And let's say that we're no longer in therapy. And that kind of gives me hope that yeah. this is not a permanent detriment. The one thing I will say is if you if this time after loss impacts your credit score, I mean, that could absolutely impact your um, financial that yep. out your financial circumstances for you know many 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 years to come yep so just another loss to add to losses just another one um i'm gonna put a little poll in the spotify if you listen on spotify um uh for you to answer if you're a listener who doesn't follow us on instagram and you didn't already um answer this poll I, i'm gonna put the polls for how much you've you've spent since your loss um, on Spotify. And I would love, love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, And yeah, check out our stories. I think we saved it to a highlight. We did mention, um, we found some, uh, we crowdsourced um, some organizations that help with the short-term costs. Unfortunately, I don't know of a, unfortunately, I don't know of a way to help with the long-term costs. Um, Just know you're not alone. And, and we, um, and we want to hear from you. So if you haven't shared your story with us already, we want to hear from you. You know, I thought, because, okay, because this is what I'm saying about, like, I don't know how bad to feel about myself. There are people who lose their homes in fires or earthquakes or hurricanes. And for some reason, that seems more expensive. Maybe I'm wrong. But to me, I mean, Judith, not it's like, compare don't compare trauma. Like, I it's know. all bad. Like, I, 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 I think the thing I really feel of the thing I struggle with, which is not the same thing as you, I struggle with the privilege of being able to pay for therapy. It is a significant financial burden, but I'm able to. And I think the thing Mm. I struggle with the most is not comparing myself to people who don't have a loss and all, but have some other financial burden. And for me, it's, it's people who are also grieving and don't have the financial privilege that I have. That's hard hard for me me to even compare myself to them. This is the thing I have pretty much, I don't know much about details about those people's lives anymore because i exist in in this world the dead baby world so i mean yeah if i compare myself to them the losses are infinite i really try not to because it gets me so riled up and i end up just isolating myself further from my friends and i don't like to do that so i try really hard not to but you're right like if i compared my life to many of my friends 
my financial circumstances look really different. And that's sad. It is sad. It sucks. And the thing that's weird is when I talk about like the snoo and the daycare, it feels like I would say, and I've said this, I think like I'll pay any amount of money so that the rest of my kids live. But the truth of the matter is like you actually you can't guarantee it even with money. Like, yes, I'm doing an IVF cycle so that I can hopefully have kids that don't have the gene that killed Quinn. Yes, I'm going to buy a snoo so that hopefully it's a safer sleep environment, the safest possible sleep environment. Yes, I'm going to take time off of work and I'm going to not put my kid in daycare, um, which costs money, but I still can't guarantee that he's going to live. Yeah. Like that the rest of my kids are going to live, right? Like it sucks. I wish you could say, I wish you could put money on it, but you can't but you still spend the money anyway because you're traumatized. To all of our wonderful new friends, we want to hear from you. Email us at aslongasimlivingpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at aslongasimlivingpodcast. We'll get back to you as soon as our grieving brains allow. Yay!